Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. My guest today is Dr. Owen Legaspi, who has an undergraduate degree in physical threat therapy and also a doctorate in physical therapy. He will share his employment journey on the way to becoming a healthcare entrepreneur. Significantly, healthcare careers are attracted, attractive for several reasons, including one, we're simply living longer. Second, Healthcare careers offer financial security. And three, healthcare professionals can find jobs anywhere in the world they want to live. U.S. News and World Reports ranks physical therapy as the 10th best healthcare job. Quite frankly, I'm surprised it isn't higher. Dr. Legaspi began his private practice in 2004. In his practice, he treats patients on an outpatient basis. Since 1998, however, he's also worked within the St. Barnabas healthcare system, rehabilitating patients who have been hospitalized as a result of injury or illness. A graduate of the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey, Dr. Legaspi went on to receive postgraduate training in numerous specialties, including Kenzie techniques for cervical and lumbar spine and Mulligan techniques for spine and extremities. Dr. Legaspi has received numerous awards and honors and has been invited to lecture and give presentations on topics regarding orthopedics, medical screening, differential diagnosis, and pharmacology. Welcome, Dr. Legaspi. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Ms. Uh, Williams, for inviting me today uh, to be one of your hosts. In the interest of full disclosure, Dr. Legaspi is doc to me and I'm Beverly to him. And that's what we're going to do so that everyone remains comfortable as we explore his journey, his employment journey today. Is that okay with you, doc? That is perfect. Great. So tell me, when did you decide that physical therapy was the path you wanted to take? Well, my, my first um, initial undertaking was to be uh, to go to medical school for internal medicine. Uh, however, during that course, um, my father was diagnosed with cancer, was given six months to live, uh, which he survived, and he's, he's still healthy now, oh, uh, which, which makes me smile to even speak about. 
through that course of uh, you know experimental chemotherapy radiation therapy back in back in about 25 years ago uh, in Colombia, uh, he was actually part of the experimental study. Uh, I, w- I was able to be exposed to um, the rehabilitative uh, aspect uh, of his care during his chemo and radiation therapy because he had he had some malnutrition due to the chemo, uh, some deconditioned state, and he lost a lot of his function. So through that, there was an adjunct uh, care, which I learned to be physical therapy, and I was very uh, you know astonished by it because it, it was it helped my father regain his function but i was still in the internal medicine um route but later on you know due to financial reasons uh with his treatments um i had to uh, drop out of school and um umdnj actually offered a program to me which was the doctor of physical therapy program and you know with applications i was able to get a full scholarship which i thought was the best route for me at that time wow so it was it wasn't something that you necessarily decided. It was almost decided for you. Uh, correct. Um, I knew I wanted to be in the medical field. Sometimes I just feel like, you know, you have goals in life and you have direction in life. And sometimes that path leads you in another direction, uh, which may not be so far from your your target. But I felt like uh, it, it was a good moment and opportunity for me to take advantage of, which I did. And, you know, once I did that, you know, my mentality is uh, be the best at what you can achieve. And it's taken me through numerous successful journeys in my life. That's great. So why don't you tell people, first of all, our listeners may not know the full extent of what physical therapy means and what physical therapists are capable of. And you, as a, especially because you have a doctorate in physical therapy, you own your own practice and you're an entrepreneur. So if you could take us through those three components, physical therapy generally, your educational path and what you do in your practice, and you as the physical therapist who is an entrepreneur, because everyone, every physical therapist isn't. You know, as you said before, uh, physical therapy is, is is the top ten job uh, or profession to have right now in the United States, and I think part of that is that the profession is so has so much variability. You know, um, people don't really understand for the most part what physical therapy entails. You know, physical therapy is is one of the most important adjunct to medical care back then and and more than ever because people are living longer. Uh, there's physical therapy aspects where you work with pediatrics, you know, kids with cerebral palsy, kids with autism, kids with Down syndrome, kids with a myriad of issues that are neurologically based um, that require rehabilitation to gain them the maximum function. Now, on a geriatric population, which is the other end of the spectrum, you have people that are living with chronic osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson that take away from function. And like anybody knows, you know, the quality of life is dependent on functional life. It is better to be functional uh, at a younger age. Like when I say younger age in the geriatric population, we consider 70 and 80s are to be a younger age. The most important is to be functional 
and to have that mentation. And part of that is stimulated by physical therapy. The number one thing that I, I try to tell people is this. We are set in our ways and trained mentally that we need to watch out for our future by putting money in the bank. We, we, we've been accustomed since at a young age saying we need to put money in the bank to preserve our retirement. But nobody ever talks about we need to stay fit for our retirement. So, but they go hand in hand. So physical therapy plays a big role in not only maintaining your function, but regaining function for people who have gone through medical issues. May it be, poor, may it be elective orthopedic surgeries like total hips, total knees, may it be just a genetic you know, predisposition of having multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's. Our main function is to give people quality of life. And that, that's why it's very rewarding. From an academic point of view, I had a different perspective. You know, I, I, I grew up very poor in life, came from a third world country, and I valued education, you know, as many third world countries. To be success, successful, you need to focus on education because that's the, the one asset that you could, you could pretty much attain success with. So um, the goal was uh, to get into medical school, not only to help people, but it gave, like you said before, uh, job security and stability. So uh, the path that I took, took uh, ended up being physical therapy, and I find it very rewarding just for the reason that I get to spend more time with patients. You know, I, I develop a personal relationship with them. I, I see them three times a week, sometimes twice a week. But overall, you build a relationship rather than being, you know, a physician, you know, which they have a vital importance in saving people's lives. Um, but they don't really tend to have the same amount of time uh, to be able to build the same relationship as as we can as physical therapists. And, you know, the one thing that I, I'd like to reiterate is that physical therapy now is a doctoral program. And um, so we're, we're more into the diagnostic end of it. Uh, so it is a higher level profession at this point. Uh, we were supposed to transition into to, uh, you know, a section where we were able to uh, prescribe um, anti-inflammatories. But, uh, you know, that was hindered by the American Medical Association, which we understand. And uh, but we still serve a, a great function in the medical field, uh, which I'm very proud of. Can I ask you a question? I, I don't understand the. Physical therapy, undergraduate degree, are you saying that it's no longer offered? It is no longer offered. It is now only a doctoral program. Across the country? Across the country. Um, and actually, right now, even if you have people from other countries that are not at a doctorate level, uh, with certain criteria, they can't even take the board exam to qualify. I didn't know that. Yes. So so, so the push is, it's it's been since... Um, I would probably say uh, 2003, the goal was in 2020 that every program would be a doctorate level program, which they have, they've achieved as the American Physical Therapy Association. And uh, there are no more bachelors or masters. It's all doctorate degree, degree level. And I think the push for that is that uh, so that we have, uh, we have the capabilities of moving forward within the profession. I mean, so you're you're a proponent of the of the um of the change. I I am I I have been a proponent of the change since 2001. I was I was the uh, I was one of the first doctor of physical therapy in New Jersey. 
I, I, I like the goal back in 2001 and, you know, 19 years later, they've achieved it. Uh, the goal was 2020. I think people deserve higher level, level quality of care and, you know, higher education equates that. No, as a, as a patient, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the, um, the scope and breadth of the knowledge you bring to your practice. Because, you know, as I said, uh, you're doc to me. And the reason that you're doc to me is because I've been your patient and I've experienced firsthand how, uh, hands on you are and how important patient uh, satisfaction is to you and, and patient comfort. I'm really surprised. And look, obviously, I don't know everything there is to know, but I didn't, I uh, was not aware of the change in the curriculum necessary to become a physical therapist. Because as you know, one of my godchildren is um, in school, in college, yes, uh, suddenly yep. become a physical therapist. Yes. But like like any other profession, you know, uh, people could uh, pass academia, pass the boards, uh, but that doesn't mean they're you know uh, at the top of that uh, clinical ex- um, expertise per se. You know, you have to have a passion for it. I think a, a part of it is that the way the doctor of physical therapy has moved forward is based on clinical studies. Uh, we're getting a, a better view and understanding of the pathologies that occur through our lifetime, um, you know, medicine changes within every uh, 10 years, we say, uh, with, with knowledge based on pathologies uh, and, and even just approach of care. Um, and I think with, with more knowledge of certain conditions, it is forced upon us to continue our educations at a, at a higher degree and even longer time so that we could master um, certain clinical conditions and pathologies uh, to be addressed. Uh, however, you know, within the physical therapy field, there, there are very important auxiliary teams, you know, like physical therapy assistants. Uh, we work hand in hand with occupational therapists, speech therapists, uh, you know, even the ortho- orthopods and internal medicines. Uh, you know, we try to do an inter- interdisciplinary teamwork uh, you know, because it's not just, you know, every patient is, is addressed by multiple disciplines. And without that great communication within the disciplines, they're not going to have the, the best outcome. So, you know, it, it's just, I think, moving forward too, it, it's a great field for people to either, either just inquire about just because people are living longer now. And living longer means they need more assistance functionally, you know physiologically. Um, so there's more value in it. And, 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 you know, there was a big trend in the opioids um, uh, addiction in the past uh, five years that they try to control. And, and believe it or not, on the forefront of that opioid addiction, you know, you know to technically control it mainstream was uh, conservative physical therapy. Uh, because we have some uh, multiple thermal agents and modalities that could aid in pain management without, you know, the dependency on opioids. Um, so that's why I think there was a resurgence of physical therapy, you know, its exposure and, and things like that. Yeah, you know, I'm a great proponent of it. And, you know, I encourage, you know, young children who, who may be interested in medicine 
to see it as an option because it is a very rewarding field. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the other uh, positions that um, you rely on in your practice and outside of your practice because acquiring a doctorate may be off-putting to some people who were considering physical therapy and really were kind of put off by the fact that I'd have to try, I'd have to get a doctorate. I don't know whether I can do that. Everyone doesn't have the requisite self-confidence that is necessary to persevere through, you know, especially arduous training. And, and it's not easy. You know, acquiring a doctorate is never as simple as we, we might like it to be. But the fact that there are other uh, jobs within the profession that are attainable and can be stepping stones to what other um, what people may decide they want if they're interested in physical therapy, the hands-on aspect of it, the working with patients on a continuous basis, that may give them the information and experience they need to make future decisions about their uh, employment careers. Do you agree? I, I, you know, I completely agree. And I, I think part of it too is that, you know, and I, I like to think grossly or globally, you know, certain people have, you know, wa- want to change professions in life uh, due to family changes, you know, getting married with children and things like that. I think there are certain options out there that are, you know, three-year programs, two-year programs where you bec- you could become either a nurse, a nurse practitioner, uh, that might take four years or five years, or a physician assistant, um, a physical therapy assistant. There's so many adjunct professions out there that aid the doctors. And, you know, you know, to be honest with you, you know, I, my main job in my, in my practice is to be the diagnostician. You know, I, I pretty much, you know, see the patients, diagnose them, set up a treatment plan. And, and sometimes I, if it's a hard case, I either follow up with it myself or I have my assistants follow up with it. And if there's no progress within two weeks, then I intervene. But if there are progress within two weeks and, and they're happy, then I know that the treatment plan and the diagnosis was, was appropriate. Uh, with that said, I, I think, you know, people sometimes overlook professions that are uh, more attainable and which I think are such an integral part of the system uh, because, you know, in, in fixing people, you know, maybe in the hospital setting or an outpatient setting, you need a good team. And, you know, I could never perform my job without a great team. The fact that, um, you know, we're having this discussion where we could tell people, hey, you know what, you know, a good stepping stone may be a physical therapy assistant, a two to three year program and see how you like it. And sometimes people stay at that profession because they find it so rewarding, not only from a patient care perspective, but also as a team perspective. You know, they're able to implement my plan or other doctors of physical therapies. Um, uh, outcome goals and plans, and uh, you know, overall, what we what we try to build is a, it's almost like a, a, a an isolated team that focuses on every patient, and like yeah, every 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 employee profession is vital to make something great. So an A plus physical therapy is only as great as its you know as as its last member. So, um, and that's what we believe. And, you know, and I think if physical therapy is somebody's, uh, 
is, is in somebody's radar, but they don't think it's the doctorate program is not an attainable goal for them because of either financial or personal or family issues, then, you know, a physical therapy assistant, even a physical therapy aide, you know, or a technician may be there, that window of opportunity for them to be a part of a, a, a team that serves greater function in people's and patients' lives in attaining functionality and quality of life. Are those positions that you could you uh, that community colleges would provide training for? Uh, physical therapy technicians and aides are a one-year program that most community colleges actually uh, offer, and I think some of the colleges are Essex County College, Union County College within the area. Uh, we actually facilitate some of their uh, physical therapy assistant programs and internships. Um, so I know that those are available. The physical therapy assistant program is, is, is a, is a two to three year program. Uh, the physical therapy technician program is, is, uh, a one year program. Uh, you know, it's similar to like, um, a nurse, a nurse's aid, uh, you know, when you talk about physical therapy tech and technically a physical therapy assistant is almost like similar to what a, a nurse would be in implementing the, the treatment programs and um, I mean, treatment implementations. Uh, but, you know, there are some uh, nurses out there now that are transitioning into the nurse practitioners. So like, like, like I said, medicine is evolving every day because of the need and, and the, the clinical studies that are, are being set forward so that we could uh, get a grasp of how to really manage pathologies, uh, may, maybe neurological orthopedics or, or congenital. Well, for any listeners um, who are interested in pursuing careers in physical therapy, I would strongly suggest that you contact your local community college. Uh, to the extent that we have listeners across the country, I think that's a good place to start. If, uh, if you have any problems, is there a, a physical therapy association, a th- physical therapist association? Yes. One, uh, you could actually go on Google and Google American Physical Therapy Association, APTA.org, and they will be able to guide you with any uh, you know, questions uh, they may have that are interested. But you know, since we have listeners across the nation, I, I will tell you this much. The web is such an amazing tool right now. If you just put physical therapy or physical therapy assistant programs within with within my area or near me, and I, I know that they would be able to get any contact information they may need, at least as a starting point. And of course, with anything, you need to do the research to make sure that you'll be dealing with a reputable entity. But you, to start with community colleges, that's probably the most cost-effective um, possibility. And you know what? The, the one suggestion I may have, which you kind of like hinted before, as your one of your family members are interested in physical therapy and are um, getting exposure through it through volunteer work, I always suggest before you to commit, before you commit academically to a program, you must do some volunteer work to get clinical exposure to under to make sure that that's the profession you want to be in. The last thing you want to do is is hearing it from us and not getting direct clinical experience and then signing up to an academic program for two to three years or even seven years and then realizing halfway that it's not the job for you because through your clinical experience through the academia. 
that is the wrong direction to be doing. The one thing you need to do is you need to get clinical exposure, do some volunteer work, uh, either maybe through a physical therapy practice, a nursing home, a hospital setting, and get a feel, you know, technically get your hands dirty and saying like, is this the profession for me? And if even after all that stuff, all that's said and done, you feel like it's something you want to pursue, then, you know, academically, then you should, you, you should apply and accept the programs that are presented to you. But as I said, you don't want to spend your money on a program that isn't reputable. 100%. I completely agree with that. You want to be careful because there, especially now that they're going to be, unfortunately, so many people unemployed and they're going to be, people are going to be looking for their next, their next employment role. There may be unscrupulous vendors out there offering opportunities. You want to start with community colleges. Exactly. And most of them are state run. Yes. So if it's state run and if the questions are, are you state run, then you know you're, you're in good hands. Uh, you know, also a couple of questions you may want to ask depending on the school is that how many students do they accept? How many students graduate? How many students out of those who have graduated have passed the boards? Out of those people who have passed the boards became employed. And those statistics should be kept by every college. Now, when you say pass the boards, would a, a technician need to pass a, a test? No, a, a technician gets a, a, a certification okay. uh, by the school. However, uh, a physical therapy assistant, uh, because they are implementing treatment like a, like a nurse would be, is required to pass the board exam. So that board exam is to justify that even though you have passed your academia, that you are clinically sound and able to practice. So, you know, that's another discussion. You know, because you go to a doctor, it doesn't mean they're board certified. You know, some people finish their academia and they are able, like in, in, like in, in medicine, like uh, medical doctors, uh, just because they pass the academia, they could practice, doesn't mean they have passed their boards. Uh, you know, board examination is another level of security that, you know, you're getting a, a very competent clinician working on you. No, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I mentioned the uh, additional training you have, Kenzie techniques, my sense is there's a, there's a number of, of techniques and other uh, treatments that you can acquire certification for. Or oh, yeah, you could, I mean, you could, there's certain things that you could get fellowship for. So I, I, you know, I've been in practice for 22 years and, um, you know, I have, I've studied the McKenzie program, the Mulligan techniques, uh, Stanley Paris, uh, Janet Travell. I mean, there's, I mean, but in, in so many years I've been practicing 20 years, you know, uh, there's so many skill sets that you could attain within this field that are, and, and to, to tell you the truth, you have to have that. You know, we say this in, in school, you have to have this uh, toolbox of multiple tools in that because not, not that one patient walks in and saying, you know, everybody's treated with a McKenzie approach. Sometimes people, uh, you know, respond better with a Williams technique, which is completely uh, opposite from McKenzie. So, um, but the patient won't know that. Uh, hopefully the, the, the referring doctor 
the doctor that writes the script will know. Yeah, and if then you know what, and and if sometimes you know they say that this is the treatment approach that we request, but the patient's not responding to it, you know, it is it is our duty also to uh, to uh, you know talk to the referring physician and saying like this might not be the right approach for the patient just because of the fact that you know within all the clinical studies there are outliers and you know like like they say because i've also been in research i've i've uh, i've received the words in research also you know most research will tell you that 80% of the population will respond to a treatment the other 20% won't for the most part when a patient walks into our uh, offices we say that they're most likely they're going to be the 80% or based on the odds However, there are patients that do not respond to treatment and most likely they will be the 20 percenter that will need, you know, the opposite treatment approach. So that, that's, that's what differentiates you from being a technician to being a clinician and a doctor in your field, to be able to do, do almost like a, a, an isolated patient study pre and post treatment within the three visits or six visits and saying, this is the treatment or this is not the treatment. Well, that also goes to your status as an entrepreneur. You're not only a doctor of physical therapy, you're a business owner. Yes. I, so I, I, I also own um, multiple companies, not just medicine. So, uh, and I, I've started businesses since the age of 19. You know, I, I've always had that drive in, in myself. However, sometimes, you know, People who have their point of, different point of views in implementing either treatment practices or the way a business model is run, you know, end up being entrepreneurs. And, you know, and that's, that's just the, the kind of personality I have. I just always had a, dis, a different mindset, you know, and, and being an entrepreneur is not so difficult. You know, it's, it's pretty much the same formula. You know, I always tell people this, you know, um, selling, selling furniture, selling garments, and being a doctor, implementing treatments is no different. You know, it's always about client or customer satisfaction. It's always about uh, customer need. It's just, it's just different uh, products that you're implementing or, or you're selling, right? You're selling furniture, clothing, you're selling treatment. So uh, a lot of people become very disheartened and um, demotivated, uh, thinking that they cannot be their own entrepreneurs. But, you know... You know, with high, you know, sometimes you know, a, a small test run is is what makes you successful. I I, I started a, a practice with two patient rooms, and now we have, I would probably say, uh, I don't know, thirty patient rooms. I mean, we've grown, and we've grown because of need. Um, I always tell people this from a business standpoint when I give them advice: it is it is easier to feed a smaller animal than a bigger animal. So when people start businesses and they, they rent 5,000 square foot facilities and they can't, you know, sustain that facility, it's like, it's like getting a big animal and trying to feed it and you can't. So small is always better. You know, you could always test run, you know, a business and see how it goes. And if, you know, it is a little bit harder nowadays to be an entrepreneur because of, you know, the way the economy is going. But, you know, I, I, I do believe that there's always a place for entrepreneurship in this country. And, you know, it's just who puts in the hardest uh, work technically. And provides the most, the highest quality service. Yes. You know, you got to keep your patients, your customers happy. Absolutely. And, and to your point, we're living longer. We're more active. 
we're breaking things, we're injuring ourselves, we're trying to do too much physically, more than we should at any given one time. So you're going to have business. You're right. You're right. There are going to be patients, that, but there are choices and you want them to choose you. So customer service is paramount. And you know, entrepreneurship doesn't mean just you just have to start your own business. It could also mean that you could work for somebody and they say, hey, what? Guess what? We could open up another office and you get a percentage of that office. Yeah. It's still entrepreneurship. So, you know, there's so many ways to really, and I, and I believe that younger people are smarter than ever. You know, just because of the internet and things like that. Oh, absolutely, yes. You know, I, I was, you know, off the, I mean, off the subject here, I was talking to a guy yesterday, just, I met him having dinner and, you know, he's, I was like, how old are you? He's like 24 years old. And he's like, oh, I bought my first house. You know, I'm going to try to leverage it. And I'm like 24 years old using, buying, owning a house and, and using words like leveraging a house to buy another property. I, I was very proud of a, the young gentleman, you know, and I think, I think young people are smarter than ever. You know, but you also have to understand that you have to be motivated and you have to want it bad enough and you have to wake up early in the morning before anybody else does. You know, that, that old saying, even when I was five years old, when my grandfather used to say, the early bird gets the worm. I mean, that, that statement is still true to, to today. You know, no, you know, right. Some of the most uh, successful billionaires wake up four o'clock in the morning. You know? Absolutely. Not because they need to, because they already have the money. It's because they want to. Yes. You have to be motivated and you have to find out what it is that motivates you. A hundred percent. And move toward that. But it's always, it's always uh, beneficial, in my opinion, to look outward. Whether you're a service worker or an entrepreneur or, or you know, you're an employee, whatever you are, it's better to look outward as opposed to inward. You're going to do okay if other people that you are working for, serving, or investing in are doing well. You're right. That's, that's the way I feel. I also think that if you work hard every day, you never know who's looking and opportunities might be around the corner. Absolutely. But, but, Absolutely. but if you're working just to get the day done, that, that important person that walks into your life is not going to notice you. But you know what, Doc? It, it cuts both ways because if you're cutting up and you're not doing what you're supposed to do the way it's supposed to do be done, people notice that too. Yes, yes, 100%. You know, so you got to be walking the straight and narrow. You've got to be doing your job well. You've got to act like you care. 100%. Like it's important to you to do a good job. People notice that. You know what? It's always important to be polite and civil. They say you never work a day in your life if you do what you love. Exactly. I completely exactly. agree with that. So now, is there anything, any advice you want to give our listeners that you haven't already given? Because you've given them a wealth of information and advice. Well, the number one advice I would give them is to keep listening to your podcast because it, <laughs> it, that's the number one, right? Because it's very informative and it's very heartfelt and caring, you know, you're, you're thinking about the community. Uh, I, I, and this is why I'm here to support instead of seeing my patients right now, I've taken the time because I, I, I see your goal and I, I think you're giving back to the community uh, the best way you can. Um, so that's my number one advice, um, because you're leading the community in the right direction. Uh, the, the, the second advice I would give them is this, find time to see what you love. 
Because if you do what you love, you'll always be successful because you will make it so easy and seamlessly. It would be effortless. And you know, I'm only successful because I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship. I'm passionate about medicine. And the best advice is this. You owe it to yourself to look deep and saying, what makes me happy? And that is what I would like to do for the rest of my life and help other people in the meantime doing what I love. That is the best advice I could do to be successful in life. And thank you for your time. And thank you for letting me be a part of this podcast. Well, Doc, why don't you tell people how they can find you if they're in the area and they need a physical therapist? So A-plus physical therapy is located in three locations. Uh, we are located in North Caldwell, New Jersey, Livingston, New Jersey, and Scotch Plains, New Jersey. You could reach us as aplusrehab at gmail.com if you have any questions or guidance that you may need. Um, you could also look find us on the internet at aplusphysicaltherapy.com. Uh, and I wish nothing but the best to everyone out there. And I hope you guys stay motivated. And um, again, Beverly, thank you for the time and letting me be a part of this. And Doc, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. And I'm going to say goodbye to you until the next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.